Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles. I am Scott Wright of the Oklahoma, joined by Nathan Ruiz. Another podcast, uh, post-game podcast edition of the Cowboy Chronicles. Oklahoma State coming off a 31-12 to um, a debacle. I think debacle is an Ooh, accurate I like the word. word debacle. That's uh, a good to word. To describe what happened in Manhattan, Kansas tonight. Um, it was, uh, or well, this afternoon. It's tonight now when we're recording this, but uh, this afternoon... Uh, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium was uh, was not pretty uh, in many many ways for Oklahoma State. We'll uh, we'll get into as many of them as we can, um, but uh, but let's uh, let's start with uh, what I thought thought was one of the more interesting things that uh, that was discussed. Mike Gunning never actually said that he's considering making a change at quarterback, uh, but. Number one, this was the most critical he had been of Taylor Cornelius after after a game. And number two, his answer to "Are you thinking about a quarterback change?" was not really. Um, am I am I reading too much into that, Nathan? No. Well, because I that immediately surprised me. Yeah. Because it wasn't like a no. There was like a eh right. to it. You know, there was some wiggle room, um, which is not what he has expressed at all. And he kind of followed up. He's like, you know, that's something that we hadn't considered. Like, that hadn't been a discussion at all before today's game, in which Taylor Cornelius completes fewer than 50% of his passes, throws for below 200 yards. OSU does not have a touchdown in the first half. Taylor Cornelius does not throw for a touchdown and does throw two interceptions. He did lead OSU in rushing yards, which is another topic we'll need to talk about. Absolutely. OSU now finds itself in a position where there are so so many things wrong with this team. that it's it's hard to just say a quarterback change and they'll be fine. Drew Brown, Spencer Sanders, whichever of them, they'll be better. The team will be fine. They're going bowling. Um, but I think Mike Gundy, in his response, he says not really. Um, but you could, there, there, like I said, there's some wiggle room there where he's like, eh, maybe he didn't. I'm not going to go so far to say he was suggesting maybe, but right. there was a moment of consideration where the thought trickled in his brain. He was he was very deliberately thinking about the words that were about to come out of his mouth at that at that moment and i think that that's significant if if nothing else um was no. it, it was the south alabama game where afterwards he was like no taylor's fine or was it the texas tech game i think it was, it was, i think it might have been south alabama but yeah someone asked like yeah. do you consider getting drew or someone ready and he's like no taylor's fine yeah so there's a big difference between no and not really exactly so there's a little bit more leniency and not really and not to uh, not to spoil our later segment of uh, give me liberty or give me cheese its, uh, but the uh, the the uh, the roadmap uh, of this team, the future of this team, is much different now than it was at uh, at ten fifty nine this morning when a victory here has them at five wins, needing one more to get bowl eligible. Now that's uh, that is in uh, serious peril, and. At some point, you you, it's 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 only natural to consider bailing on the senior to play a guy who could be here next year. Now, to have uh, both of those guys, uh, Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders. Sanders is obviously not going anywhere, but to have Drew Brown back, you can only play him in four games. Uh, they've uh, they've got five left at this point, and you know six if they make it to a bowl game. But that's uh, that that changes uh, it changes the dynamic of the discussion. I, I I sort of feel like Nathan. Would you would you agree with that? To be getting later in the season to see where they're at, their situation, their record. I think it all adds up. Yeah. To, to say 
OSU does have to consider things. And, I, you know, I, on this podcast and on Twitter, I've been pretty uh, defensive of Taylor Cornelius. And I've, right. I've kind of – I'm still – I think he should still be the guy, especially when you look at the games left and what OSU's offensive line situation is. And, my well, he was happy with pass protection today, but it still wasn't ideal, I wouldn't think. But I, I've moved more to the camp of maybe – someone else could give them a spark yeah um and i I get people saying that but the again the guys who are seeing taylor cornelius and drew brown and spencer sanders every day they're the guys deciding that taylor cornelius is this team starting quarterback and uh the players seem to be supportive of him uh you know tylen wallace seemed to express a lot of confidence in him post game right um but i think the more strenuous the situation becomes you look back at, at maybe a 2014 and that's a comparison that as we've discussed has been thrown around a lot with this group you look at the jolt that mason rudolph provided yeah there was some reshuffling on that offensive line but obviously mason was the big change in terms of going from dax garman to mason rudolph and that kind of energized things and that's not to say because you don't know that drew brown or spencer sanders will do the same thing I think the comp is easy because a lot of people want to compare Cornelius to Dex Garman, which is just ludicrous. Right. But I think, you know, you could see the Spencer Sanders, Mason Rudolph comp and, and think that, oh, he can come in and totally change everything. All right. Now, I, I was not covering the team in 2014. You were. Um, so I was watching from uh, sort of an outsider perspective. I had uh, I had covered Dax Garman a little bit in high school before he moved to Texas. Um, you know, some things like that. Um, but uh, but I wasn't watching as closely as uh, as as you were. Um, when you hear the the uh, comparisons uh, between this team and 2014, um, what does uh, what does that sort of bring to mind, and how uh, how matched up are they? Would you say? I think it's a strange comparison. Like the results right now are drifting towards that. Especially you look at the hot start; they get to number 15 in the country with a an older quarterback who hasn't had a lot of playing experience or and hardly any experience i don't think dax garman played hardly at all in his right. prior stops arizona um but you look at it it's they're two t- so different teams on paper right that's what's strange about it to me because you look at that that 2014 team you have emmanuel ogba on defense is really kind of a breakout star you have a young james james washington on offense the running back is desmond Rowland. um but there aren't a whole lot of there isn't a whole lot of star power there and this osu team doesn't have a whole lot of star power but you've got justice hill um you got you know electrifying pieces and and a guy like tylen wallace a guy like uh chuba hubbard jd king was a little bit more of a force today you you've got a standout pass rusher yeah in, uh, in jordan brailford jordan brailford so you've got i guess the ogba comp there uh you, you, the secondary is really young i just feel like this this year's team is so much deeper and, and maybe more talented that it's strange to me that this is the same issue because I mean you look back at that that Boise State game and there were the people out there saying that oh he's going to go nine and oh right uh, to start the year which I I didn't think that would happen because you look at kind of just OSU's history there's always that one game the one game they're favored in last year was Kansas State uh, you look at 2013 losing to West Virginia there always seems to be that one game that everyone expected them to win and they lose they've now had three of those this year so it's yeah. Uh, it's a, just a strange team, and you can put some of it on Taylor Cornelius' shoulders. I think you can put plenty of it on Mike Gundy's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think plenty of responsibility kind of goes around, and I think the team would kind of echo that. 
the the team in general it feels like they've almost gotten worse over over the last three weeks it's kind of weird like may and maybe you know maybe Boise was a little bit of uh, of a paper tiger so to speak uh, maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were going to be um, or thought that they were at the time and that win isn't going to be as, as big a deal when we get to the end of the year and look back I and mean, they just lost to San Diego State at right, home last right, week so. exactly and scored what 13 points in, in in doing it 13 or 14 so um, so you know maybe the uh, expectations got uh, got ratcheted up from that when it was uh, not really the case but um, but still that was a team that went out and played well on defense uh, shut down what we thought was a talented offense and a physical team and really has uh, seemingly taken steps backwards every every week and it's uh, and it's just new problems constantly constantly arising um, let's shift the the conversation to the defensive side of the ball um, Mike Gundy was uh, was pleased with the secondary uh, not so happy with the uh, with the defensive front um, it was uh, it was kind of hard to tell exactly what Kansas State was doing to to really test the secondary um, but uh, but but your your analysis, Nathan, of uh, of the defensive performance today. Well, it was so strange because you came in thinking that OSU was going to dominate the line of scrimmage, at least defense to offense, because they came in as the national leaders in sacks. Yeah, and Kansas State came in as one of seven teams nationally that had already allowed at least twenty sacks. Yeah, so it seemed like something that OSU was going to be able to exploit take advantage of and that just wasn't there jark bernard got a sack on the final play of the first half and it was osu's first sack of the day they only finished with two skylar thompson ran over around through them uh and you know he really kept them off balance defensively yeah and that continues to be an issue you look at brock purdy last week from iowa state alan bowman at texas tech even uh, Carter Stanley at Kansas wasn't awful. Kansas was fairly overmatched in that game. But OSU, you, you wonder if you look back, you mentioned the paper tiger that was Boise State. Right. Was maybe OSU's non-conference schedule, we kind of viewed it as a progressive builder to prepare them for Big 12 play. It's possible that maybe they just weren't ready, that they just weren't ready for this step up in competition. And we right. had this vision of a team that it was playing much lower level competition and just when it matches up against other big 12 opponents it just it's one of the bottom three or four teams in the league and it just caught us all off guard yeah and uh and the confidence that it looked like they were building throughout those first three games was uh really had sort of a false foundation and just uh, just wasn't going to stand against uh you know even 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 though texas tech certainly looks better than uh, than maybe we thought um, you know, playing a, a good game to go beat TCU uh, on Thursday but night. TCU also looks a lot worse than yeah, we thought. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's absolutely the case as well. So, um, you know, it's a it's a really interesting dynamic going on with this team right now. Um, our uh, we we should uh, we should uh, revisit the Ding report just briefly. It's a uh, uh, very short Ding report, uh, other than Arlington Hambright, who did not make the trip. Um, I, I can't think of any uh, significant injuries that came out of this uh, out of this ball game, Nathan. This isn't really a, 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 so much of a ding report. It was just kind of an interesting question 
uh, that Taylor Cornelius kind of brought upon himself. He was asked, you know, how are you going to take advantage of, of the upcoming open week? Mm-hmm. And his response was, you know, watch film, uh, try to figure things out, get healthy, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, someone followed up and said, well, you know, you mentioned getting healthy. Like, how are you feeling? And he just said, I'm fine. I'm 100%. So he, he's – it's football. Like, there's something – Right, dinged about oh, him. Absolutely. Um, when you look at especially how many hits he's been taking over the past few weeks, but but OSU now finds itself in a situation where every team around the country in the league is dealing with injuries. I mean, you look at OU right. and Rodney Anderson, uh, all these other programs going through different quarterbacks, cycling through Sam Ellinger getting hurt, Ellinger, Ger, Elling, Ellinger. Ellinger. I think it's Ellinger. I think it's a hard G, as Tom Herman said, and I always forget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ellinger, he got hurt today, got dinged. In uh, Texas, went over Baylor. So, I mean, every every team has to deal with injuries. Every quarterback's going to have to deal with injuries. But it, it's something where you know maybe there's something that's minorly affecting him. He had a left shoulder ice bag a couple times. We've seen that, and I don't right. know if that's he throws with his right arm. So I don't know how big of an issue it is. But I'm not living his his life. I don't know what he's feeling. But when you're especially when you're getting beat up, and that gets back to the whole quarterback conversation, is with how beat up Taylor Cornelius is getting. Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders are not his size. Spencer right. Sanders has a history of knee injuries. I, I, I get it from the perspective of you don't want to – there's no need in what is slowly becoming a lost season and putting those guys at risk. Like, you could talk about getting them experience, but if the experience is them getting bludgeoned into the ground, it's not really much of an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned you, – you you got to talk with, with – Taylor, I uh, I didn't get a chance in post game. Overall, how was uh, how was his attitude after uh, after a ball game like this, which which Mike Yursich described as his worst game by far? Yeah, he kind of lined up with what we've seen from him in most post post losses. He kind of was just uh, quiet, short. He I think he's at times he's been a little more talkative uh, than we've maybe have even given him credit for. But post game today, he was pretty pretty brief. Um, got out of there pretty quick. And it was the same kind of thing where he put a lot of stuff on his own shoulders. Mm-hmm. I asked him, uh, what areas do you feel like in this offense need to improve? And his immediate answer was my play. Yeah. Um, and so he's a guy who I think takes a lot of ownership. There was the drop deep ball against Iowa State last week. Uh, Tylen Wallace couldn't hang on. Taylor Cornelius hit him right in the hands. And then Taylor Cornelius still blamed himself. He said he like led him to the middle of the field too much, uh, which – might be true but i don't know but like it's the kid is just putting a lot on his shoulders um potentially injured left shoulder that didn't have ice pack on but he's a guy who i think there's a respect for his toughness um you can have the perception that maybe guys on this team would love to see drew or spencer out there but i think they really respect what taylor is doing and i think as a team they they all have the perception that this isn't just a one guy thing. This isn't just on Taylor Cornelius. Uh, it's not just on the defense. It's not just on the offensive line. It, it, it might be a bit on Justice Hill, who hasn't been getting enough opportunities maybe to take advantage of that. Uh, so there's pressure there, I think, a bit. Uh, Scott, what do you think about how kind of their usage of, of justice today? I was I was really shocked by it. I thought when we were seeing, um, you know, we saw J.D. King getting some early carries. We saw... Uh, what looked like a, just almost a full series of scripted passes to running backs between uh, Hill and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, there was all new plays that we hadn't seen before. 
Um, it looked like there were going to be some uh, some wrinkles that uh, that got those guys more involved. Ended up that that was uh, that was really about the extent of it was that one series. Um, you know, Hill caught two passes and had uh, 11 carries, same number that uh, that Taylor Cornelius had. Which uh, that was I was going to bring that up when you're talking about him getting hit. Um, he was sacked twice, but he also ran the ball nine times. And uh, and you take a take a good pounding when you're uh, when you're out there running. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I was I was surprised not to see a, uh, a an approach more like what they had at Kansas with trying to get Justice Hill involved heavily from the very beginning. So it was uh, it was it was a little bit perplexing to me that that they were. Uh, that they were not able to get the ball in his hands more today. Yeah, I, I get that they don't want to give it to him 31 times a right. game like they did against Kansas, but at the same time, we saw how effective he was and that was, and it really took pressure. That was Taylor Cornelius' best game. Like It was against Kansas, but he set school records for, for passing yards per attempt, for passing efficiency, threw four touchdown passes, had the deep ball working. Just, so that was the game that everything seemed to click offensively for OSU. Penalties were still a bit of an issue, but OSU situated itself well with that run-pass balance, and that hasn't necessarily been there. Mike Gundy's reasoning for for why we didn't see Justice get more carries is that it was kind of that, oh, the passes weren't bad is what he was saying. That right. the, pa- the calls to pass weren't bad and that Taylor just missed open guys mm-hmm. and that we wouldn't be so worried about Justice's carries if those passes had been completions. Right. Which does make sense, but it also doesn't explain. It's just been so strange because Mike Gundy stood there in front of that whiteboard at OSU's media day and said, Justice is the guy who's ball, who, who we want to put the ball in his hands. Right. We want the ball in his hands more than we want in anyone else's hands. And if you went back and, and did the numbers, I'm pretty sure it's, it's probably pretty close between him and Tylen Wallace. I know Justice probably the carries the 31 game. That probably changes it up. Right. But a lot maybe count targets, like attempts to get the ball in someone's hands. Right. It probably is a little closer, but I yeah, think I that the ratio, the ratio of what we've seen is probably not ideal for OSU. I would uh, I would agree with that. We did see them try to get JD King going a little bit more against uh, a defense that is uh, that is known for being physical. Um, Chuba Hubbard only one uh, actual carry had a, a couple of passes that came his way. So um, trying to do some different things with uh, with the running backs and getting them involved, but. They're the guys that need to be handling the ball the most, and uh, it's just not uh, not going that way right now for uh, for this offense. So. I thought one play that was really interesting. You mentioned J.D. King and, and the toughness. They had that that goal line run where they had Britton Abbott, Sione Finafuiake. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I did, did that Nailed it. close. Really, thank you. Um, and J.D. King, and I was like, oh, there's the three big boys out there. Right. You got the two fullback type cowboy backs. You had J.D. King, who's kind of the the big strength guy of that running back group, and he doesn't get in. He gets no gain. The next play is kind of this sweep trick pass play, and Tyler right. Wallace, Larry Williams got blown by, I think, and then yes. he ends up you end up with an easy stop for for uh, Kansas State. OSU gets held to a field goal. They go up six three, and it was the last time they led the whole game. Yeah. So it's a uh, strange situation. Mike Gunny said that we we need to be tougher inside the three yard line. And I thought that someone came back to me. It said, like, we're not a very tough team inside the three-yard line. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, you can put a period after team. <laughs> we're right. not a very tough team. Yeah. So, I mean, OSU right now, 
does have I think there has to do be my gun you didn't say soul searching last right, week right uh, but I think there maybe needs to be some this time around yeah and it's it, it's funny that you mentioned that about the, uh, the the Twitter comment because that's exactly what I thought he was going to say and then he slides in inside the three yard line another edit I got was that was in between the goal lines <laughs> in between the goal lines yeah both of them yeah yeah that uh, that makes sense you're as in well. the end zone you're feeling like a tough guy but <laughs> right um we can uh we'll briefly touch on uh, this uh, i was so excited when i came up with the name for this segment that we're going to go ahead and run it out one more time and uh you know if oklahoma state happens to to pull out a win that we don't expect we'll bring it back but uh give me liberty or give me cheese it's our our bowl i don't have to i don't have to add on the uh the alamo bowl stuff for this one right no can, okay very good uh our bowl projection uh segment now you uh being the the, the proactive journalist that you are uh, put out a, a a twitter poll um i know you haven't had a chance to check it here in a, in a while but uh but what were the numbers looking like on uh, now the question was will oklahoma state make a bowl game is that yeah just okay. that simple yes or no will they make a bowl got about 600 votes last time i checked 90 percent of them were for no and i just you know osu's four and three you look at the schedule left you got this this open date. Then you've got homecoming against Texas at Baylor at OU. West Virginia comes for senior day, and then you go to TCU. Right. So you need two wins in those five games, and ninety percent of people don't see two wins. Uh, which so you saying give me Liberty or give me Cheez-Its? I'm gonna say both. OSU is gonna have Liberty in <laughs> December because they're not gonna have anything to do but eat some Cheez-Its. Yeah. Okay. So I don't. That's I don't. Good. I don't. Are you, are you providing the Cheez-Its? Uh, no, that's a oh, lot of that's a lot okay. of big boys that I'd have to feed some Cheez-Its. Oh, I just meant for me. I, I, mean, I, 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 I could okay. hook you up with some Cheez-Its. Right. I'll right, figure cool. it out. Very nice. Um, but I could see if OSU won today, I could see them finding a way to get a win in one of those last five games. Right. Finding two now becomes tough. Absolutely. Baylor played Texas really tough today. Uh, Texas, if anything, maybe a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, but then OU is OU. West Virginia having some trouble with Iowa State last time as we're recording this. Right. And, and then TCU it might be a winnable game. So it, it's still – I'm not going to put it at 0%. Right. But I think it is distinctly unlikely, which is so strange when it's kind of become an assumed thing for this program. Obviously, you had a blip there in 2014 where it came down to Bob Stoops punting twice. Right. But now – it, it seemed like a guaranteed thing when you come off those three straight ten win seasons. Yeah, they'll they'll make a bowl. They might not win ten games again, but they'll make a bowl. Yeah, they might not win five games this year. That's exactly right. Um, it's uh, it's it's a a tenuous time in Oklahoma State football right now. As you as you, uh, as you look at what is uh, what is ahead for this team. Um, you know, this is uh, the way this season is going. Lots of things can change. But Oklahoma State feels like they are trending in the wrong direction right now. Um, they just have more more new problems arising rather than uh, than necessarily fixing the old ones and uh, and and improving. So uh, strange situation. Um, we, uh, we we talked a little bit about the red zone issues. They did not. It wasn't just toughness issues. They had a a penalty uh, that that wiped out a touchdown. And um, I didn't get a really good look at uh, at the replay of the penalty. I saw I saw some contact between Tylen Wallace and the guy who was covering him, um, but uh, but 
you uh, you wrote a little bit more about that. Um, what was uh, what was kind of uh, Oklahoma State's take on that? Uh, beyond Mike Gundy saying that it was a quote unquote terrible call. Well, it was an interesting play because it looked like his job was just kind of to, to pull the defenders toward him so Landon Wolf could get open, and it worked. The issue was that the officials decided it was a penalty because he he and his defender were kind of just like arm in arm basically the right. whole way, and he Tylen Wallace just ran in a straight line toward the end zone. And the problem was that he eventually ran his defender, what looked like, into another Kansas State defender. Right. And so that's where they called the penalty is him using his guy kind of just as a shield to take out the other guy. And that's, that was their perception of it. Uh, Thailand didn't seem to be happy about it. Mike Gundy, like you mentioned, not very happy about it. Uh, so it, it just was an unfortunate situation. And it, it's, you know, who's tugging who? There was probably some polling both ways. Right. Uh, but it, it changes momentum because you, you look at the sequence after that, you go from a touchdown to third and 19, then you get a false start, then Taylor Cornelius does a quarterback draw, then they have to call timeout because Marcus Keyes isn't on the field for right. a field goal attempt, and then Matt Amendola does make the field goal. If they yeah. miss that field goal, oh, man. That is, right. But it's it, it still has a sequence that – that's kind of the sequence that maybe to this season has defined Oklahoma State. You, you have something go your way, you get some penalties, you get Taylor Cornelius running around, running for his life. Yeah. And then you have another issue on special teams, and then you just come away with three points, and that's it. Yeah. So it's, it's it was just a strange sequence, I think, defined the day, and in a lot of ways has defined the season. No touchdowns in the first half, um, and you uh, you you researched that better than I did. I just listened to uh, what they said on the radio broadcast as I was trying to uh, to to keep an eye on some things there. Um, but uh, but what were what were some of the factual uh, okay. information about let's, touchdowns let's and, I, and and halves? Let's see what I can remember. So first half, neither team scores a touchdown. First time in an OSU game since Bedlam 1995. First half, OSU doesn't score a touchdown since I believe it was the Sugar Bowl, Bowl it, a few years ago against Ole Miss. Last time OSU didn't score a touchdown in any half was Texas Tech a few weeks ago. The last time neither team scored a touchdown in any half of an OSU game was the second half of last year's Texas game. So I think that was all right. Yes, all right, all fascinating, um, mainly because I would not have guessed that some of those things would have happened so recently. That was, I would have, I would yeah, have thought there would have been a lot more Bedlam '95 type things on the list. I but, was uh, four months old when Bedlam 1995 was played, so that was the second time in my lifetime that OSU and their opponent did not score a touchdown in the first half. And uh, let's see, November of '95, I would have. Uh, just turned 17 so there you go um exciting stuff uh Is what it else exciting? what else really no. <laughs> no no i don't i'm uh grasping at straws here this is uh it's been a long day nathan it's been a been a long day uh, a rough game it got really hot in the press box which yeah, was weird thought it was gonna it was, be a really cold day yeah i was fully prepared for uh for chili um uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of nasty weather. Didn't get it. It was sunny, sun blazing in through the through the glass of the press box. Uh, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Your first trip to uh, 
what you called the uh, uh, Bill Snyder uh, Magic Castle, yeah, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Your uh, your your uh, your thoughts on your first trip to uh, that magical place? I thought it, it might be my favorite. I haven't been to all of them. I think I, I still have to go to Lubbock, Ames, and Morgantown. But of the seven I have been to, it might have been my favorite. Uh, Boone Pickens is really nice. I uh, I really like McLean Stadium in Waco. Uh, I like the view of that. Um, I like everything as we discussed, but the stadium in Lawrence. I love the view. Mm-hmm. Can't stand the stadium. But I thought it was real nice. Uh, it was decently full. The crowd was really into it, mm-hmm. which you can respect for an 11 a.m. kickoff for a team that hadn't yet won a conference game. Right. So passionate fans. But, yeah, I really liked the experience of it. The I liked Phil on the sideline. Phil. The, the stuffed bobcat that is just there. <laughs> um, I, I will say the use of the word family was a little much for me. It was kind of everywhere. It was. Uh, it was on a stick that at one point was between uh, – Dalton Risner's legs. Yes. Which you can read about that in tomorrow's Oklahoman. We just saw a deer cross the street right in front of us in the mobile Oklahoman podcast studio. So he he was not Phil. Not Phil. No, Phil did not run like that deer did. No. That was exciting. I think L- I handled, liter- that was literally exciting. That I moment think I was. handled that a lot better than you handled <laughs> the ambulance that was on the other side of the road. Uh, that's uh, that's a fair statement. Um, that was uh, all right. That threw me off a bit, but uh, but back to it. Um, I'll say this. Uh, now you've been a couple of places that I haven't. The only two current Big Twelve stadiums I have not been to are the new Baylor Stadium and uh, now TCU has sort of remodeled since I was there. That's a really nice I, one too. I think it's uh, quite a bit different than um, than uh, than the last time I was there. So. Um, looking forward to making trips to both of those to check them out. I will, uh, I will, I will offer this guess based on uh, the stadiums that you said you have have not attended. Um, Iowa State, solid, nothing, uh, nothing special, uh, but but a solid place. Um, Barry Trammell does not like the press box there. Yeah, they uh, they did not have a good experience there. Uh, the uh, the other frustrating thing about Iowa State is that they they shut down the press box at the end of the game, and so you have to take your stuff and go to a media workroom that is not big enough to handle all the media who attend their games. And apparently, there's no AC, and it was like yeah, hot no, and the no AC like in the. At least we had AC today. Right, exactly. I could lean back and just bask in in the yes. glorious wind blast, blasting my face. Exactly. So, so now there was uh, can't do that. No, there was uh, Morgantown. And what was the other one you mentioned? Lubbock. Lubbock. Okay, yeah. No, 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 not much going on in Lubbock either. It does. It is a nice press box. They've got a, a big, open, spacious area behind the seating. That's uh, that's pretty cool, and they have their meals back there and all that sort of thing. Um, I will say that West Virginia will challenge for your number one spot uh, when you get a chance to go there. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but... Right. I, I, have, I have no clue if it will or not. I'll but make every effort. The, if, uh, if it does happen, I think that it will challenge your, uh, your opinion uh, for that number one spot. Really cool uh, setting, uh, looking out over the, uh, the mountains and uh, really fun, uh, fun place to go. Uh, plus, you, we, we always fly into Pittsburgh and then drive down, and that's a really cool drive. Pittsburgh's awesome. Uh, lots of uh, lots of really good things about a West Virginia game at West Virginia. So, um, I would uh, I would probably put it at the top of my list of uh, of Big Twelve stadiums. Uh, waiting to see uh, Baylor and uh, NTCU later this year. So, 
and then uh, and then the Liberty Bowl. I'm excited about seeing that too. Good luck with that. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Um, all right, Nathan, did we did we cover it all? The the, the deer has me all yeah, all sorts I can't, of I just replaying it in my mind. I'm really impressed with myself for how I handled that. It sounds uh, yeah. really egotistical, no, if, but like, if we if we were, if, I'm impressed uh, with you. Scott is behind the wheel, so I'm really impressed <laughs> with how. So I just get credit for talking. He's the one who actually put his foot on the brake. <laughs> if uh, if if we had been more professional uh, at uh, at this type of uh, radio type thing here, we probably could have talked right through it. Nobody would have ever know. Oh man, absolutely. That, but at the same time, I just felt like pointing it out. I oh, was absolutely. Like, that, there was a deer. It was a, it was it was an interesting experience. All right. Well, uh, in that case, I think we've uh, I think we've touched on everything. Thanks to Dave and Paige for uh, for wrapping this thing up and putting a nice bow on it back in the studio. And uh, thanks to all the listeners for uh, for checking in with us. Still unsponsored, the uh, the Cowboy Chronicles. I know that you're shocked at this point in the season. We're still unsponsored. So you want to jump in with a sponsorship? Find us on Twitter at Scott Red OK at Nathan S Ruiz, which stands for Scott. The S does. Not the not the Ruiz. Not the part. Z. No, not the Z. Not the Z. Uh, and uh, yeah, come uh, come join us, and uh, and you could we could be talking about your great product or service right now on this part of the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. Otherwise, that'll do it for Nathan. I'm Scott. Thanks for joining us here on the Cowboy Chronicles. <laughs>